It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. happy jackie robinson day and welcome back to locked on mlb prospects your only daily podcast discussing the future stars of Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Aram Layton. I'm a minor league play-by-play broadcaster as well as a minor league writer. And today's episode is one that I think you will really enjoy. It's an interview with first-round pick, number 18 overall, Bryce Jarvis to the Arizona Diamondbacks, one of the most rapidly ascending prospects going into the draft. Had a really good finish to his sophomore year where he found himself dueling Kumar Rocker in the Super Regional Kumar Rocker ends up throwing a no-hitter and striking out 19, but Jarvis was pretty damn good himself, going seven innings, only giving up one run, and striking out double digits. He continued on that track going into the offseason or into the summer. Instead of going to the Cape Cod League, where you'd think everybody would jump on that opportunity, he makes a tough decision of not going to the Cape League, and he'll explain why he did that and how it turned into something that maybe put him over the top in his career. You're really going to enjoy this interview. He was one of my favorite pitching prospects going into the draft, thanks to maybe one of the best changeups in all of the minor leagues already. And you'll get to see that when he makes his debut next year. He's with the taxi squad right now, getting reps in, and has all the makings to be a fast climber through the minor leagues and to potentially help the Diamondbacks out in the near future. This interview with Bryce Jarvis is brought to you by rockauto.com. RockAuto.com has been serving auto parts customers for over 20 years. It's a family-owned business with an easy-to-navigate website. Why go to a chain store or a car dealership and pay 20, 30, 50% more for the same car parts when you can just go on RockAuto.com, find the exact part you need for any car maker model. They'll ship it straight to your door, no headache, and you don't have to deal with any of the different price points that you get from some of these other chain stores or the other dealerships that have different prices for the do-it-yourselfers versus the professional mechanics. None of that with rockauto.com. They have a reliably low price for everybody and a really easy system to find the part you need and to get it sent to your house as soon as possible. Go to rockauto.com and let them know that Locked On sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. 
Com. So here is Bryce Jarvis. This will be part one of a two-part interview with the right-handed pitcher. Part two will be out tomorrow. And I'm joined by first-round pick by the Arizona Diamondbacks, Bryce Jarvis. Bryce, thank you for joining me today. I'm excited to be talking about everything that's gone on this year. You're with the Taxi Squad now and getting a lot of reps in in Arizona. So thanks for taking the time. Yeah, of course. Happy, happy to join you. So your journey, I want to start all the way back to college because going through at Duke, where, from where you started to where you finished, you're a very solid and polished pitcher early in your college career, but by the time you're ready to leave, you're throwing a perfect game and you're three and one. The, the stats on the year are ridiculous. 0.67 ERA, 27 innings, you punch out 40, walk two. What was that progression like going from more of a craftier type of pitcher early on to a guy that could really get a ridiculous amount of swings and misses? And what was it like this year, just really having that click where everything just went to the next level yeah I think you know the order in which you know I I progressed as a pitcher was um, definitely the way the way to go I think there's a lot of guys that you know show up in college and and have the the stuff that lights up radar guns and um, you know spin a nasty breaking ball or or whatever their their go-to off-speed pitches but they don't really have a feel for, for pitching, you know, and, and how to get guys out. And I think understanding how to do that with, um, you know, the stuff I had coming in, um, kind of the, the 88, 91, um, you know, a couple of good off-speed pitches, but nothing that would really blow you away. I, I kind of had to figure out how to, um, you know, use what I had to get guys out. And, uh, you know, my first two years of college, I think, you know, I did a pretty good job filling the role that, that I had, you know, coming in long relief my freshman year and then um, making some starts sophomore year. But ultimately, um, you know, staring down my, my draft year, um, you know, between my sophomore and junior seasons, uh, I knew that if I wanted to, to progress and to um, be in a position that I wanted to be in uh, come draft day, my junior year, it was going to take uh, you know, some improvements and uh, significant work in the off season. And so, uh, you know, I, I sat down with uh, my dad and my advisor and um, two people who I respect a lot. And, you know, having my dad in my corner uh, with the, the big league experience that he has um, is definitely a huge blessing and, and something I don't take for granted. Um, we ended up, you know, settling on, uh, going out to driveline for, um, you know, about a week and then uh, going to Boston and working out with Eric Cressy at his facility for um, pretty much the whole summer. And I think, you know, that approach brought together the best of both worlds in terms of, you know, development, um, you know, third-party development in the, the baseball world. You know, driveline has a lot of the – the success in the, the velo building, um, you know, industry, but that wasn't really something that I wanted to focus on while I was there. I was more focused on kind of the pitch design aspect of things and, and really diving into, um, understanding all the data that's out there in terms of, um, you know, developing pitches and, and spin rates and, um, breaks and spin efficiencies and all that. And I really wanted to become fluent in that so I could build, upon what I already had um, as a pitcher and then kind of leaned on the, the strength building and weight gaining 
um, at uh, Cressy Sports Performance that, um, you know, I wanted to use that to, to build a velo and incorporate that with some of the arm care and, um, you know, plyo care. It's not really weighted balls, but more of the arm care side that driveline had to offer. And I think combining both of those is ultimately what um, led me to make the gains that, that I did. It's funny when you talk about how you were forced to really execute your pitches a lot better early on because you didn't have some of that you know, off the chart stuff that some other pitchers have. And you see the term almost thrower versus pitcher being thrown out a lot with, with guys that throw really hard or, you know, just have one really good out pitch that they go to. It reminds me of Anthony Davis, for example, with basketball, he was a guard in high school, then automatically shoots up like a foot in a year. And now he's this super skilled big man where it's rare. So it's almost the late bloomer type of thing can really work in your favor with what you focus on a drive on. You said you weren't even really focusing on velocity and just for reference I mean you ultimately deciding to pass on the Cape Cod League it worked in your favor and it ended up being a brilliant decision but that takes a lot of guts you know because that's a lot of for a lot of college pitchers and, and also you know bats as well that's where a lot of guys really take the next step when it comes to their draft stock you made that decision to really just improve your craft rather than try to get yourself out in front of as many scouts as possible. Although you do improve, of course, getting reps in the Cape, but how, how hesitant were you with how tough was that decision? I know you said you heeded advice from your dad and having a, a father who pitched in the big leagues for 12 years, of course, definitely helps in that situation, but ultimately it's your decision. And, and how hard was that decision to make? Yeah, it was tough. It was definitely tough. I think, one thing that helped a lot in making that decision was having the opportunity to play in the Cape after my freshman year. I think, um, you know, I got to have that experience. You know, a lot of people don't get to have until after their sophomore year, but I was, I was lucky to, to have a spot to it um, in 2018, I guess it was. Um, and, you know, I kind of understood what, what there was to, to do in the Cape and kind of, what the what the values were there and you know like I said uh, getting to go back to the Cape kind of just would show everyone the same person I was the first two years of college and if I really wanted to take the next step um, development wise you know I, I think I needed to to go outside of that and um, kind of bet on myself almost to, to, to put the work in in the off season and then use the college season to um, you know, get looked at and uh, have people see the improvements that I made. And for people that may not totally understand, you know, what goes into a place like Driveline or, or Cressy, in just, you know, the, in layman's terms, basically, what, what were you able to do there to really maximize your stuff and to really become a much more efficient and effective pitcher? Because your fastball jumps a few miles per hour, even though you said that wasn't the focus, and you were able to uh, you know, get some more break on your pitches and really create more separation between the fastball and changeup, which your changeup, would you say, is probably your best pitch? I mean, I thought it was one of the best pitchers in the country when I was watching you pitch, especially down the stretch against Vanderbilt, which I want to talk to you about that as well. But what are you able to get out of there to really maximize your stuff? And, and what is it? what goes into a training opportunity there? Yeah, so I think there's a lot of different routes you can take. Um, you know, once you get there, you can really buy into the, the velo development that they do, and, and they've definitely had success there. But as I mentioned, the, the pitch design stuff was 
was some of the stuff that I really wanted to work on as well as the, the motion capture analysis. So the first thing I did when I got there was, um, you know, I don't know if you've seen the videos of guys with, you know, only sliding shorts on and you kind of have all the, the sensors on you that, um, like some people used to like make video game models and they're like the little dots that track basically the motion of all your body parts. And then you go through your delivery and they take all the data from that um, session and basically uh, compare it to averages of other guys, you know, try to come up with, um, you know, comparisons to, to guys that fit your delivery and see if there's any, you know, inefficiencies in that delivery. And that was really interesting for me, um, you know, just, uh, I kind of have a background in, in engineering from college and I feel like a lot of that, um, you know, helped me understand the, the data that was spit back out. And ultimately we kind of concluded that, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of inefficiencies in the delivery itself and that, uh, you know, reinforced the decision that, uh, you know, it was going to take putting on weight and strength to gain velo instead of, uh, a motion or, or delivery rework. So from there, uh, it, it became getting in as many bullpen sessions as, as I could while I was there and having the, the pitch design team around me while I threw those, uh, you know, analyzing the, the Rapsodo data as well as the, the Edutronic video slow-mo bit, uh, motion capture um, of the release of pitches, you know, pitch by pitch um, during the bullpen. So, I would throw a pitch, have all the quantitatives spit back out, you know, spin rates, breaks, axes, all that stuff, um, as well as having the, the video of the release of a pitch. And it, for me, it ended up being my slider that I really wanted to work on. Um, you know, I wanted to, to add a curveball into my arsenal um, for my junior season, and I think uh, – I needed to tweak my slider a little bit to make room for that. So there wasn't a blend of the two pitches. So I think there was one bullpen session where I threw probably like 20 or 25 sliders in a row, just trying out different, um, you know, verbal and, and mental cues for the release of the pitch and seeing how that affected uh, the breaks and the, the shape of the overall pitch. And once I found, uh, you know, a, a shape that worked, figuring out what cue I could use to throw the pitch, to uh, repeat that pitch more often and make that kind of the, the new shape of, of the pitch. And you could definitely see it in this season, even though you were only able to make four starts. But before I ask you about the perfect game that you threw against Cornell, I wanted to ask you about 2019. So even before you, you get there uh, to go to driveline, you still had something click in the middle to the end of 2019, I would say, at least that's what it looked like where you really hit your stride and you helped Duke make this incredible run again to one game away from the college world series, losing to the eventual champs in Vanderbilt. You were really cruising through the postseason there and it was the changeup. It seemed like that you were really riding. And I know you were just talking about how you wanted to add the curveball and the, and the slider, the changeup, has that always been a pitch for you that you can count on? Because it seemed like you were working off that really well through the postseason run. And what was it like being one game away from the College World Series against a team like Vanderbilt? You figure if you, if you ran into anybody else, you probably would have made it. 
Yeah, the changeup is definitely always been my go-to off-speed pitch. Um, you know, I kind of go back to to having my my dad as a mentor, and and he had a really good changeup, and definitely you know a lot of kids their first off-speed pitch when they're um, you know throwing 12, 13, 14 years old, they want to throw a breaking ball. But for me, um, my dad really wanted me to learn a changeup, and even though you know my hands weren't really big enough to to manipulate the ball effectively uh, at that age. It was just developing feel of the pitch and something that I incorporated into my catch play every single day. I go out and play catch. I throw change-ups at 90 feet um, just to develop and maintain the feel for that pitch. And I think that's something that, that's helped separate me, um, you know, through college and, and into professional baseball is – just the feel that I've been able to have with my changeup, you know, I could have nothing else working on a day where I'm, I'm out on the mound, but I think my changeup is something that's always going to be there. With that changeup that you were able to put together some really dazzling starts down the stretch, especially when you went face to face with Kumar Rocker there, you turned in an incredible outing, only giving up one run against the best offense probably in all of college baseball. Rocker ends up, putting together maybe the best outing in college baseball history with what he was able to do throwing the no hitter and punching out 19. When you were going into that ball game, you had been throwing a lot of innings before that because you went deep into games in Morgantown. And when you were trying to uh, get past West Virginia, then you get to Vanderbilt. And again, you're just battling out there. Was that where you really realized like at that stage when you're pitching against you know one of the best teams in the country, not the best team in the country, and against one of the best pitchers and matching him pitch for pitch. Is that, was that a point where you realized that you could really compete with anybody? Um, I wouldn't say so, actually. I think, you know, that's something that I've always had, um, you know, as a mentality going into games. Um, I, I've always, you know, loved having the ball in the big moments. And I think, you know, that's, that's definitely shown over the last couple of years, I think I've had some of my best outings um, in the postseason, freshman year and, and sophomore year. And, um, you know, when you're in a game like that, I think it's important to to just go out there and control what you can control um, and not not really worry about what's going on in the other dugout. Um, my job is to go out and, and put zeros on the board for my team and, and put us in the best position to, to win the game. I, I can't go out there and score runs, but I can go out and, and prevent the other team from scoring. And so being really focused on, on doing everything I, I can do to, to put zeros up on the board and, and not worry about, um, you know, what our hitters are doing or what their pitchers are doing um, allowed me to stay you know, locked in in that game and, and ultimately come out. I think it was a one-run ball game. Um, and, you know, that's all, all I can do every time I go out is, is come out with my team in a position to win. And, um, yeah, I was happy with my performance and um, didn't end up going our way. But, um, you know, nothing, nothing to hang your head on in that game, for sure. Absolutely not. You, you gave your team a shot there. And with your probably best outing, I would say, in your college career, I don't know if you've done anything better than what you did against Cornell in Little League. What was really working for you in that 15 strikeout perfect game? I mean, I, I guess the answer would be everything, but have you ever had a feeling like that where just everything was clicking? And what was that like? Yeah, it, it was awesome. I think that start 
was the culmination of all of the work I'd put in, uh, you know, in the off season to kind of uh, rebrand myself as a pitcher. Um, I know the first start of the year was, was a little rocky against army. And, um, I, you know, there were some nerves there coming out. Uh, obviously you want to, you know, show everyone that, you know, the, the progress I've made is legit. And um, I think, coming back for the Cornell start, you know, I, I was a lot more calm and more confident in myself as a pitcher. Um, and I told myself between those starts, you know, your stuff is good, good enough to miss barrels and, and get outs. So just go out and, and fill up the zone with everything you got and trust that the stuff is going to, going to get out. And I, and I think that mindset shift, um was really what did it I was confident in all my pitches I was getting ahead of batters um with fastballs with off speeds you know pitching backwards pitching forwards I could kind of do it all um in that start and I think just riding that boost of confidence um into the later innings of that game is is really what helped me seal the deal there and that'll do it for the interview with Diamondbacks first-round pick Bryce Jarvis. If you can't tell already, obviously a very smart pitcher. Not a surprise being that he was drafted out of Duke and he's an engineer degree, but he is somebody that really uses his intelligence to maximize his ability on the mound. A lot more going into the cerebral part of his game in part two, which you can expect tomorrow. Also, just about how he's transitioned into the taxi squad with the big league team in Arizona and a lot more that you won't want to miss. So stay tuned. Part two of the interview out tomorrow. Thanks for listening. As always, I'll talk prospects with you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.